welcome to the Motor Madhouse. Uh, back in its second incarnation, uh, last time we did an episode on here was about seven years ago, but uh, my friend Steven here, we, we talked about bringing it back and figured this is a good time as ever and kids are getting a little older. So Steve, why don't you go ahead and take it away and introduce yourself? Yeah, Mike, thanks for uh, bringing me into this. And I mean, we basically just get talking about cars naturally whenever we're hanging out. So we figured we might as well record it and <laughs> show other people some of the conversations. But um, yeah, I, I guess I don't know if you want me to talk about my car history, but grew up on yeah. a farm. My dad's into Chevys. He got me into Chevys and built my 355 for a Silverado and kind of always been working on stuff ever since then. Moved more into different at different japanese cars and german cars i've had every kind of car there is but um just kind of there isn't a car that i've driven that i don't like i guess would probably be the best way to put it very cool yeah we met because you actually married my wife's cousin so we started seeing each other's at at all different kind of uh family gatherings and whatnot but um real quick i kind of learned we have a very similar taste on the venn diagram and then we kind of have our areas we each kind of know a little bit more uh my background's more in Mostly GM, 68 to 72 muscle cars, GTOs, 442s, Buick Transport, Chevelles. Uh, I grew up in a family where my dad restored those as a hobby. So going to the national events every year and always having cars off the frame, up on rotisseries and doing everything from learning body work to engine work and everything in between. And as I went on, I got more into saving up my own money and kind of playing piggy move up with cars starting off with like a buick roadmaster with the lt1 for my first car then eventually got like an f body z28 six speed with an ls1 and then got kind of crazy after there with superchargers and all kinds of different (laughs) (laughs) higher horsepower uh cars but um now since i talked to you (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it's i think it's north of 60 cars at this point but i stopped counting a while ago but last time we talked you're talking about your Camaro you're working on a trade-in what's the what's exactly going on with that situation well so I'm into like track driving a little bit right so I've done autocross done some track days different things like that so um I bought what I always wanted which was the Chevy Camaro SS 1LE which the 1LE package goes back to the 80s right there was this kind of like secret code that if you went to Chevy you ordered the 1LE package and they got you a road race kind of prepped Camaro. Um, and they continued it on, you know, into, I think fourth gen had it for a little bit. It was again, kind of secretive fifth gen, a lot less of a secret and sixth gen was not a secret at all. Like all the magazines are reviewing them. So, but finally bought one. Um, so what it was is it's the Camaro SS with all the ZL1 goodies, but the motor, right? So you get the suspension, you get the brakes, you get the better seats. Like it's just, kind of a really well prepped car and it'll never get hot on you because the motor is barely even like pushing anything right for what you're doing. Um, had it for two years. Love that car. Like if you were on the track all day long, I would never get rid of it. Right. But I do like to drive my stuff to work. And uh, it kind of came to the realization when I went to go get Culver's and I went to get the drink at the drive through and I couldn't get it through the window. Right. So it's me holding the thing, putting it through the window sideways and hoping it doesn't spill all over. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been a long time BMW person and I'm sad to say ish. I don't know. I'm not sad. I I traded in for a uh, BMW M2, which is a totally different car, but at the same time, like it's a track car. It's pretty quick. Um, 
it's probably faster actually in a straight line um but it doesn't sound nearly as good that's that's the big letdown like not having the v8 it's kind of a bummer but it's so comfy it's a little bit too much of a computer for me it's like kind of a computer on wheels but it's manual and about 500 horse so and you said this is like this is one of the last manuals that bmw is making yeah so bmw's ceo uh said that they after this car they will no new m cars will have manual transmissions and they very likely none of them will be without hybrid or electric technology on them so kind of had to grab onto that too i i am not as good at flipping cars maybe as you are but i try not to lose money on them so that's my (laughs) big thing is buy something i don't think it's going to appreciate too much i think this will hold on like you see what happened to the caymans and like different Porsches that were manuals that still existed out there. Like they just skyrocketed. I don't think oh, yeah. this car, but I think it'll stay. Like, well, just look that? at the, the Pontiac G8 GXP. Oh, right. I mean, one with under 50,000 miles is still 30 grand. Yeah. It's, they're just it was like 38 new, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a 13 year old car. Yeah. 14 year old now. But, um, well, it's a good segue into the topic we wanted to talk about today is this kind of, transformation of all the manufacturers talking about going to electric vehicles. And I kind of want to get your take on, do you think it's feasible? Do you really think by 2035 or whatever they're calling, they're already cutting production on all the performance stuff and a lot of the, you know, the challenger, the Camaro. Um, Where do you see this going? Is this going to be a, is it really going to take away the ICE engine? Yeah, I guess, you know, feasible is kind of out of our control, right? Like we'd like to say that the buyers have some kind of, input there but i don't know at this point the government might just force all of us into it which would be pretty unfortunate but we don't need to get into the depths of that topic but but right i think there's a place for it and i don't think i'm the person for it but there's definitely some people that maybe make sense for right like i was explaining to someone like they're talking about like oh the the pain of charging your vehicle all the time like oh i gotta sit there for 45 minutes like well the difference is if the person drives like a defined 30 miles every day. That's just their drive to work, right? You plug it in at your garage every morning, you've got a full tank of fuel, right? Equivalent, right? Where you and I with our ICE vehicles, we always have some point where maybe we come home and like, uh, I have to get gas tomorrow morning or whatever. So like in that world, that person, sure. But there's so many things that are bad about them though, too, right? Like just for, if we really want to dive into production and recycling of them and all, all those pieces, but um, from the standpoint of like, will it replace everybody's car? I think they're going to have to change up battery technology so much before we get anywhere near <clears> that, in my opinion. But Right. I mean, just a lot of the, you know, the reason for it is always comes from good intentions, you know, but as we know that good intentions pave the way to hell. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, a lot of it, like people don't factor in. Um, first of all, just reading up on it, because I'd heard this before, but before <clears throat> we started that like 80% of the lithium uh, for these batteries comes from the Congo and 20% of the labor is child slavery. Right. And that's kind of the white elephant in the room that a lot of people <clears throat> don't want to talk about. And they're talking about making the world a better place, all this and that. And the fact that the lithium isn't, it's it's a very hazardous material too so once these batteries go bad and they don't last 
an incredibly long time for how much you're paying for the vehicle, in my opinion. Um, I recently looked up a used Tesla just like on Craigslist or Marketplace about a year ago. And it was like a 2015. And it said like uh, just replaced the battery, had like 15 or 16,000 in receipts for it. Um, and this is 2022. So talking about a seven-year-old car, you had to drop 15,000 in repairs into. Mm. I mean, that's more than my wife and I have in our daily <clears throat> drivers combined. <laughs> you know, my Suburban and our, my Fiesta and her Suburban. I have less money than that than just the batteries in that car. So right. who, who's affording this? Like each house having two cars and you talk about these at-home charging stations. Well, each uh, charging station is equivalent of 25 refrigerators in your house. So if you have two of them, that's 50 refrigerators in every house. So what happens to the grid during a heat wave in California in July? Right. Well, they've even had issues with that, right, recently. Right. Um, yeah, and that's, again, I think there's some situations where, you know, could you replace some, could the mail vehicles, be delivery vehicles be electric? And is there some way to make that, you know, sure, maybe, like, is there more efficient mass transit? Sure. But to assume that everyone's going to switch to those is impossible but the almost bigger issue is the culture change and what people think of vehicles when they think of those right is now that vehicle instead of being like this this piece that never aged you that you always loved because it was that exact perfect vehicle for you you know and people collect their 1970 you know chevelle and they're gonna love that thing forever now it's this right this is what it is so you're gonna get that electric vehicle and it's gonna feel outdated after two years and then it's going to be worthless and you're going to trade it in. Nobody's going to want it because they want the latest Tesla model three version 14. Right. Like, right. so, yeah. and that's, that's the real killer is we're going to have all these vehicles that are not really that old. Um, yeah. they probably have perfect bodies on them, Yeah, but nobody wants the insides of them. The, the software is too and, old. And the cost to get them back <clears throat> on the road probably isn't worth it. Whereas that's another thing is like, people who don't have a lot of money or a 16 year old buying their first car. I mean, I paid a thousand bucks for my 95 Roadmaster with 230,000 miles on it. So what, what kind of Tesla are you going to up for that kind of money equivalent? Yeah. You know, when you're a 16 year old, 20 years from now, it's even these batteries and all that kind of outdated parts and outdated software, it probably wouldn't even be worth bringing back to life. So at that point it's like, well, what options do people with tiny budgets have to buy cars? Whereas well, and then what, and then just like with our phones too, oh, USB-C is a new thing. Okay, well, now your lightning cables work anymore. Right. We'll point to all the chargers. The EVs changed. <laughs> oh, you can only charge at home now. Right. All the Tesla chargers on the new charger. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're going to force them into obsolescence, obsolescence so quickly that we will lose so much money on them too if you're investing. And like, I was actually just reading an article this morning. Like, I forgot who it was. Volvo, I think they're doing micro leases. They're calling them five to six month leases on EVs hmm. because buying a car is so expensive right now. Nobody wants the interest rates and the inflated prices. So people do six month leases on these EVs, like just wild. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it pays. You save a lot of money being a gearhead sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah. You know, really thinking about environmental friendliness too. Like, how much better is it for the environment to restore that '93 suburban and put it back on the road, right? Like, that's yeah. probably in the end way better for everyone than buying the new Model Y. Right. Exactly. And that's you know, I don't want people to think like we're anti-technology or anti-electric vehicle. Like, it's not my cup of tea, but 
I, if that's someone's, you know, that excites them and they're into it and they're a tech guy and they're like, Hey, I can make this thing crazy fast. <clears throat> and that's one thing that's unfortunate about these things is they are stupid fast. And I hate that about them. <laughs> you know, they are faster than Hellcats and whatnot. Uh, zero to 60, some of these Teslas. Um, but there's something about it where it, it just doesn't excite me. Even when I see it go down a quarter mile at, at, you know, 10 seconds, it's like just a, it's watching a drag race on mute. It's just, right. you don't have the chaos and the violence and the, the smell of the race fuel and, and the rubber and all you hear is just wheels humming on asphalt. It's just, I think any gearhead who loves motors and gears, it's, <laughs> it's just like, it's sorry. It's like the opposite of everything you love about, about speed and cars. So I completely respect the power they pull out of them. It's undeniable. An internal combustion engine will never accelerate as fast as a DC electric motor. It's instant torque. Right. Um, but as far as, our complaints with it it's it's the mandate it's why would it why would you have to force everyone to do this when it's really not practical if it, if it was practical the market would be demanding it not government incentives people buy efficiency i've personally owned a prius as much as i'm ashamed to admit that <laughs> was one of the best cars i ever had as far as reliability and maintenance costs but um i bought it because i had a job where i'm driving a lot of miles and it made sense it's an efficient vehicle it'd be silly to drive around in a three-quarter ton truck um, right. The amount of miles I was doing, but um, so efficiency does sell. And then even with these modern motors, look at like a 1970 Chevy 350 gets like 12 miles per gallon, makes 310 horse. Uh, and then by 97, you got the LS1 and the vets getting 29 miles per gallon, making <laughs> 350 horse. And then after that, they just went crazy, crazy, crazy over the next 10, 15 years. And how much untapped potential is still left in in the internal combustion engine with all the computer technology and all the same tech that's going into these EVs. If all that R and D money was being allocated by these manufacturers into just what kind of mileage could we pull out of these cars and power is a byproduct of efficiency too. So a lot of these cars will be still being performance cars and getting pretty damn good mileage. Well, that's, that's like where EVs looked so much better for a while there. And, and they, again, I, I'll also say that I'm actually really techie. I love technology. I've driven, I have a couple of friends with EVs. I think there's a place for them. I think they're cool, but I think how they're being pushed on us is different, right? Like, or not what I like seeing. But the cool thing about an EV is it can go from all the power to literally none of it in what, 50 times a second, it can change that. Um, and that's the problem with combustion motors is we're always, you're kind of always running all eight. Um, and now that they're starting to get cylinder deactivation a little bit more figured out and they're getting, uh, infinitely adjustable valve timing, like where direct they injection. That. Yeah. They're getting all that going. Like we could have motors that make 60 miles per gallon and 400 horse very easily. Right. Yeah. Probably and by it could be worked on by you and I, right. Like, right. You know? Yeah. And it's still with all the other stuff going on with the cars and the tech and all the gps and all that stuff i just i still prefer older stuff i mean until yeah. recently every car i had still had a cassette player in it <laughs> <laughs> but um uh i just something about just being disconnected it's kind of the whole experience like when i uh like the car on my shirt for the, the logo like i had a 59 buick and there's something about it when you hop in it still the original 364 nail head i mean completely original paint original interior I mean, you fired up, you feel it's, it's the closest thing we have to time travel. It's like, this is what it felt like in 59. Like you crank up some buddy Holly and you just drive <laughs> like this, this song was probably played in this car when it was, when it was pretty new. Like it's right. just kind of a really unique feeling that 
I love the kind of the throwback and I can do the same thing like, you know, in a WS6 Trans Am and listen to music from that era and stuff when you're cruising in it. And that's, it's just a, I like kind of the simplicity kind of getting away from all the tech and your phone and all the stuff that you're surrounded by all day when you're in an old car. And I know that's unique to car guys, but I think it's something inherent in a lot of people though. But if you, if you were to experience that. Yeah. I mean, you could kind of talk about that our whole lives too. Like people have gotten so much more complex. I, I, they were exactly the same, but like essentially every piece of technology we've ever added to make our lives better. Like, anything from dishwashers, vacuums, all those things in our household, like really hasn't saved us any time because we just found other things to keep ourselves busy. We need a bigger house. We need a bigger, whatever, you know? So, and that's the same way it is with cars. Like it used to be simple to enjoy them, but now it's like, well, I want to be able to enjoy them while seeing a full screen replication on my phone, (laughs) streaming this, right? I need surround sound audio in my car and I want to stay in the lane for me in case I read my text while I'm driving. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. No, I, uh, I drove a friend of mine had a brand new F-150 King Ranch a few months ago and it had all that self driving and lane changing. Like you turn on the cruise control and all of a sudden it's just yelling at me. It's like, stay in your lane. And <laughs> like I, I checked the GPS on my phone. It's like eyes on the road. And I'm like, Okay, big brother. <laughs> right, right. I, I have never wanted to go back into a '50s car as much as I do right this moment. Um, it's just that's that stuff's not for me. But I, I get it. A lot of people do like that, and there's gonna be a lot of new generation growing up where that's the norm. They're growing up in these cars. Oh, yeah. They would. They're gonna be afraid to get into a car with these old style seatbelts and crumple zones and uh, no airbags and whatnot. Whereas, I mean, even growing up in the '90s was. You know, we were always, in, especially in my family, we were always in classic cars and convertibles. And it's just kind of a whole different experience than these kids these days are having. I mean, not our kids, but. Yeah, I remember but, my parents had a Grand Marquis and I would ride around the back of that thing on the deck, like behind the rear seat in the rear mm-hmm. window. That's just where I was laying down while we were driving down the road with 60, right? Oh, yeah. We always had station now. wagons, the backward seat. And I actually just. Yeah. Bought and sold one last year, and uh, we didn't have it for long. But my kids are so angry I sold it. They bring it up all the time. They're like, let's get in our station wagon with the backwards seat that looks backwards. It's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, we probably should. I don't know why I sold that one. It was a good deal. <laughs> but can't keep them all. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, the whole push, though, for the EV, it reminds me of um, – I read a book a couple years ago by Matt Ridley called How Innovation Works. And in that book, he breaks down – this uh anytime the government kind of pushes incentives towards one direction of technology like they back that horse um he gave a couple examples of how it backfires and one he gave was i think the early 2000s they gave these crazy incentives where comed would knock on these businesses doors and try to get rid of um their was it the incandescent bulbs i think and go to fluorescent uh, because they're efficient they spent like billions of taxpayer dollars to fund this to convert all these big factories and warehouses over to them and everyone took it because they're like hey government's paying for it and then what they didn't see coming was a few years later the led came out and (laughs) all these companies were like hey this is way more efficient and cheaper to replace and they long last they last a lot longer um so they completely just squandered the money for no reason they they forced everyone to go fluorescent whereas if we would just waited some unforeseen technology came in that was superior to to both of them so yeah. I, I have a hunch EVs could be just that. They could be the fluorescent bulbs. Well, and the other piece, whenever you create mandates, 
any company wants to make money off of that too. They'll, they'll find a way around it. Um, and you know, the biggest thing, like these mileage standards that they have right now that they've had for a while, right. All that's happened is we've seen all the cars get bigger because they had the standards based off of the size of the vehicle, right? Like, Oh, if you're under 15 feet long, you should be making this much mileage. Oh, well now the civic is 15 and a half foot long. Right. Like, so you do things like that. The companies will just find a way around it. Like, so right. all you're doing is probably creating some other kind of issue. They probably could have backed out of that a little bit, or maybe been more thoughtful in that. We still have civics. They get 52 miles per gallon. Yeah. Right. Like, but insight that, I mean, that was like the early two thousands, they're getting 50 right. miles per gallon hybrids, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it drives me crazy. Cause it's, it's this whole kind of push that's, based on a bunch of fallacies about how green it all is and the, you know the the production of it they act like they're saving the world whereas in reality you're, you're creating a super expensive car that's almost unattainable for most middle class families to have one of them let alone two at, at the current prices uh mm-hmm. the repairs are astronomical compared to internal combustion and you know who knows the longevity of these things whereas i mean you're talking about having cars in the 50s and 60s hot rodders building cars from the 20s and 30s today that are just recycling them. And yeah, I mean, you can always just go throw a uh, Tesla on a roadster top shop chassis and put an LS in it. You know, if the bodies are still clean, which may be the cheapest way to bring them back to life down the road, which would be so ironic. But, um, <laughs> but uh, as far as the, yeah, the push goes though, I just, I don't think it's going to last. Um, I know I showed you last time you're out at my dad's place. He's been running on compressed natural gas for gosh, probably since I was a junior in high school. So that'd be Oh seven. Um, and it's, as far as I'm concerned, I think it's the beat all end all for anything available right now. I mean, it's internal combustion. It's got an octane rating of 130, so you can run blowers. You can run a super high compression, um, use just like an EV. You can plug it in to at your house and fill it up overnight. It's like a gallon per hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I drove on it for two years straight. Um, uh, I had a dedicated car that didn't burn any gasoline ever. 12,000 miles between oil changes and it still looks like honey when you change it because there's no carbon and it's cleaner than a Prius. So, I mean, um, so why do you think that hasn't caught on? I, I don't know. That's the mystery of it or the, the actually like filling the vehicle. Well, in the last decade, I've seen a ton of semis and uh, like Frito-Lay um, and uh, garbage truck companies have gone to CNG for their diesels because you can run it in diesel and gas motors. That's another perk of it. And the craziest part that makes me scratch my head is that the big three and Honda have been making these from the factory since the mid-90s. So they've been in production. And they're, mm-hmm. most of them go to be government vehicles. Uh, all the ones my dad bought were retired um, squad cars, Crown Vicks, um, and a couple. He bought a truck that was from the military. So I, I don't understand it. I don't know if it's because they can't put a road tax on it, but that's the same as an EV if you're filling up your house. Right. Um, but there's, or maybe just as not as profitable as oil for the petroleum companies. There's some sort of reason why it's not in the conversation because I've lived it. I've watched it. It works in every temperature. Unlike that's another thing about EVs is no one talks about the mileage they get in Canada or the range versus, you know, Los Angeles. Um, but these things will cold start. I mean, they work in all temperatures. It's and you can throw crazy power at it. So I don't and it's incredibly safe. I mean, there's 
like videos of them being sh- the tanks being shot with like guns and stuff. And it takes an incredible amount of force for them to rupture and explode because it is 3,600 PSI in the trunk, which might scare people. But the tanks are incredibly resilient uh, as far as impact and like no, no real life collision would ever puncture a tank in one of those cars. Yeah. You know, I've always seen like the filling station. There's one south of the town I live in here and like you you can get CNG there. And I always kind of wonder like, why don't I see more of those? But I've seen Crown Vicks and stuff like old, like you say, old state cars, but never any more on that. I think another interesting technology is hydrogen fuel cells, mm-hmm. which there's a lot of things they have to figure out with that too. Like I think BMW made a seven series that had it right. And like the problem with that car is you couldn't actually park it in the garage because it was always venting a little bit. And if it was sitting in your garage, it would vent and fill your garage with this gas. Right. <laughs> so like that, that's the downside. And obviously never sold because everybody who bought a BMW seven series wanted to have their BMW seven series in the garage. Right. Uh, but I think there's a lot of, a lot of interesting things we haven't even touched on, right. On different ways we can make vehicles more efficient. Now they're doing synthetic fuels. That's another big thing. Like, Porsche just invests in a ton. And I think it was South America. They have a synthetic fuel station where they're making a fuel that would just work in any car. Wow. Um, so right now on the road, you could you could purchase. So right now it's very expensive because they're just kind of testing it out. But I mean, that's a whole other thing that could <laughs> change all of this, right? Yeah. Way cleaner, way more efficient. <laughs> that's one of those things it's like, I want to make sure though it's like is it gonna be like worse is it gonna cause cancer breathing in the fuel well, yeah more, that's more than thing. co2 that's but you know research there for sure right yeah but i mean i mean i'm, I'm all for any any technology i'm not even against evs but let the market decide bring the best right. product to the people and let them vote with their dollars i mean I, that's i don't understand these pushes and and that's what all this hype is about is it's all it's billions and billions of dollars of taxpayer money being allocated to these manufacturers to do these pushes and all this green agenda that's it's just a bunch of politicians pandering to their uneducated constituents that look what I did. I passed the clean green, save the puppies act. And it sounds all nice on paper, but you didn't do anything to make the air cleaner. You just embezzled a bunch of money from the taxpayer and made a bunch of unaffordable cars that are terrible for the environment. So, so if I, I ask you this question, what would it take? Like, what would they have to be for you to buy one for your commuter for work? Right? Like what would they have to do? What would they have to cost? You could buy a used one, right? It would have to be by force. I mean, it'd just yeah. be like I'm, my back's against the wall and I can't buy anything else. Right. I need to provide for my family. And right. I hate every mile of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I I just don't, you know, I don't like being on my phone too much. I don't like being tracked and listened to and having right. all these things. Like, you know, we'll send something in a text and also I'm getting an ad on Instagram about it. And it's like, oh, it's creepy. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, I like my privacy. So in my car, I kind of like having no cameras, no sensors, no, no, nothing. I don't like a seatbelt thing or yelling at me, you know, <laughs> let alone um, all these, these modern. So somebody uh, took a third gen Camaro, made it electric, had 500 miles of range. And they sold you for five grand. You'd be like, hell no. Well, okay. So you're saying it's been swapped. Yeah. Which yep. means it's just the electric motor and no other. Yep. Okay. I mean, I guess if I, that's preferable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I still miss the sound and the smell. And... Oh, for sure. I was watching a review where they're track testing some electric cars too. And they're just like, oh, it's actually way easier to drive. And like, 
there's some validity to that i'm sure like you don't have to shift you don't have the motor noise you're just like listening to the tires right so all you have to do is focus on like not over driving the car and like braking zones and um they're just like oh it's way easier to be quick on i'm like well you're kind of like taking away a lot like yeah t-ball is a lot easier than baseball too right like right <laughs> you know so you if you're taking away the shifting and like the noises and all that like is it even the same thing anymore right yeah, um, at that point just go ride a roller coaster and be on rails and just <laughs> yeah, exactly. a, right. like g-forces that's fun i mean yeah that's cool i don't i don't actually mean i disrespect to someone who's if that was their passion doing that but they can just be in their own class like okay today's mm-hmm. electric day at the track yeah. And I'm sure right. they'll have that, right? There's so many spec classes. There'll be a spec right. model for you soon, right? Yeah, but, you know, there's just something about, you know, a lot of the, the gearheads. Like, even, like, I've seen David Freiberger of Road Kills when wearing the Gasoline Forever shirt a lot on a show lately. And um, he's in California, so I think he's being hit a little harder and faster than we are. Yeah. But um, it's, uh, as far as the hot rodders go, and maybe we're a dying breed, but there's just something about that. Like I said, that excitement and that violence and the smells and, and just knowing what every single gear inside the motor is doing and troubleshoot your problems and testing and tuning and all that kind of stuff. I just, there's something inherently cool about it. Like kids hear a race car start and they know it's cooler than the suburban. They don't know why, but when mm-hmm. I just, I had a WS six that was canned with 500 horse and three inch straight pipes a few months ago. And uh, my little toddlers, even my little daughter were just, they wanted to go everywhere and I thought it was the coolest thing. It just, it just sounds so exciting. There's something about it that the human beings are drawn to whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, something electric cars can't offer. You know, they're faster. I'll concede that. Not that it's not, you can't even argue it, but it's just not, it doesn't do much for car guys to, you know, as far as the, the gearheads that are into drag racing and drifting and, uh, kind of all the people I've been around since I've been in the hobby. But, like I said, maybe we're a dying breed. This next generation might just, there might not even be into driving. You know, if you're growing up in the city and the suburbs and all that, like cars are just a tool. It's just like a phone. They don't really care. Just when can I get the next one? What's the newest one? What can this one do? Um, but I think there's always going to be a certain demographic of people like us. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I'm probably a little bit, I'm like in the middle a little bit, right? Like I enjoy technology, but I, I love this weird, like, blend of it right like i want the car to feel like old school and um have like a soul to it right but like i also love that somebody took all this tech to make the motor make as much power as it could right um i love modifying cars and all that too but it's it's cool to me like i love the electric like suspension the elsds i think some of that technologies are so useful out on the track um but I like the motor. I want to hear that, right? I want to hear, I want to be able to go out my garage and change my own oil, right? <laughs> I don't yeah. need to have a computer to change my battery out my car, like some of them are now, right? Um, so that that's the tough thing. But finding a manual car that has modern tech in it is, I mean, impossible. They make more EVs every year than manual cars anymore, which wow. is strange, right? Oh, that's that's very depressing stat <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so that's what i always search out is to find a manual car still but like yeah just don't exist right um like who makes one anymore like ford mustangs right uh chevy's yeah got even the, the corvette's automatic right now yep. The vets. yep yeah the c8 i just had one last week and yeah automatic um but uh their last 
Chevy was the Camaro. Now it's the Cadillac is their last manual, right? The black wings. <laughs> a little irony, a little ironic right. fun fact. The the first automatic transmission that GM ever offered in a car, in a car was Cadillac. Yeah, now it's hilarious. the last manual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. yeah, like so many of those are just they're going away, right? So that's depressing. Yeah. How was that C eight? It was good. I, I was actually gonna send you a video of me launching it, but um it's a good car and I get the people who buy it. Um, but the visibility out of it is like awful. So if you're going to get one, you have to get like the mid trim level that actually has, and I know, you know, this is me like intact, but my Camaro had this, had a rear mirror that had a camera on the roof. So you can actually right. see this wide angle behind you. This didn't have that. And you try to like look over your right shoulder to see your blind spot, nothing just the inside of the car. Right. So, <laughs> And then the seat is about 10 inches off the ground. So you got to get used to that life. Um, but I would say to me, the Camaro is a better car in every way other than ride quality. The Corvette rode better. Wow. So, um, but that's my own opinion. If you were going to like go get a Z06, different, probably different story, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'd, that'd be a, definitely a fun car to yeah. at least test drive for a day. But, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah for sure. I've had I've never anything any vets newer than a C5, so I'm a little behind the times in that. And those are plenty enough for me, you know. They said well, great gas mileage. The C5 is a sweet spot, I think. I mean, we'll probably get into this in another episode, but I would love to talk about building one of those. I think that would be like I'm actually debating on picking one up. I think that'd be a fun project car. Just to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a couple of deals lately. They're coming after all the COVID craze. The prices oh, are coming down man. a little bit. Everything's wild right now. Like you can get yeah. Get some deals, yep. so yeah, I'm I'm a little car heavy right now, but I'm just gonna hold on and not sell. I think a lot of that's got to do with you know not so much on the cheaper cars like that, but your cars that are like forty to one hundred grand. A lot of that's the interest rate. Oh, people yeah. want to pull out eleven, twelve percent interest loans. Best you get. Like, yeah, that'd be really good. I mean, yeah, I'd, I went to go refinance a car recently, which I have like a two point nine percent on, and there it was hard to find under ten. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, there's no point in refinancing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But um, yeah, well, that's a good segue. We wanted to kind of close on what's uh, kind of bottomed out in the market. Might be a, a weekly segment of the show then. What uh, what car you think is bottomed out in the market that's a good buy right now? Yeah. So I, I was saying, one, I love thinking about this kind of stuff, right? Like I, because, and you're again, better at this than me. You've, you've bought a lot of cars and flipped them and things like that, but there's, these ones that none of us saw coming, right? Like back in the nineties, nobody cared about Supras, right? Like they're, they're cool, but like not a hundred thousand dollar cars like they are now. Right. So like, how do you predict some of that? So I, I thought we could probably do this at each episode and none of these are probably going to be, I would say one I have today that I thought of, it's probably not going to make a lot of money ever, but I think that it's probably at its bottom and it's probably always going to kind of, stay there and hold a place and someone's heart that they want one of these right and it's totally random but i i just i thought i'd go with this one is the uh toyota fj cruiser you remember those things yeah okay they're kind of quirky they have the suicide doors they have three windshield wiper blades right because the window's so like short and wide yeah um but body on frame off-roader right manual transmission available they're gonna keep on hearing me say that over and over again but Pretty basic four liter V6, right? Easy to work on, Toyota reliability, and off roaders are hot, right? Like people are buying those Broncos and 
uh, you know, all Wranglers and everything right now. And I know the old ones kind of came back, obviously, but I think these are going to be as cheap as they are. They're like, you can get them for like 10 grand right now and clean. Hmm. Um, and I could just imagine that being a cult following one day, right? Like, there's not a ton of them out there. I think they made like 200, 300,000 in the US, right? And where else are you going to get that experience anymore? Everything's a computer and wheels, right? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That's then you have precedence for it already because a lot of those, um, mid early nineties forerunners are kind of doing crazy money. My cousin's right. been playing with those and uh you get a rust free one and they can have like hundred and ninety thousand miles on it, but it's a Toyota so if it's rust free, I mean they're still they're going like north of ten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's their thing. They're going like north of ten grand. I mean, just for hundred and ninety thousand mile car that for me like wouldn't have turned my head until he started getting involved with them. I mean to me big if there's I'll appreciate anything that's clean. So if I see anything in the nineties that's that well kept, yeah. like it's gonna turn my head, but <clears> not something I'm like you know, looking to buy in the future. But um, he, the more he kind of played with them, I was like, yeah, I mean, they got like 10 horsepower to go nowhere, but they, you know, I see like <laughs> why people are attracted to them. They're, they got all these different things you can do with them. Um, those and he got into the Ram chargers a lot, the, the late eighties. Yep. Um, dad Ram chargers. He got them right in time. He's always into those things. And I mean, he bought one as little as like 3,800 bucks. that was rust free from Colorado. And I think that one's probably worth like, well, during COVID, I think it was probably close to twenty grand the way it sat, and then he didn't sell it, but it's it's still probably thirteen grand, right? Uh, the way it sits, so pretty solid investment. But yeah. as far as my prediction, I guess if we're going to pick one car, I might as well start with the put my money where my mouth is. Is the '96 and seven Dodge Vipers, the blue and whites? Um, this is just, just for a, you to try to help get their value of <laughs> Yes, yes. This episode <laughs> one of our podcast with our giant audience. I'm going to sway the market. No, it's, it's something I firmly believe. Um, I mean, you're a little older than me, so you probably remember it better. But uh, in the 90s, I mean, that was just the car. I mean, that oh, was, dude, I, I had the poster on my wall. Everyone blue, did. Every boy. Stripe, <laughs> if you didn't have the poster, you had the model. If you had the model, you had the Gran, the Gran Turismo game or Need for Speed. Right. Um, but I mean, every kid I went to their house, it was always like, you'd see the blue and white Viper, the blue and white Viper. And you forget how out of place that car was in 96. I mean, when, when you go back and look at a C4 Corvette with 260 horse, 275 horse, whatever, and then this V10 with 450 horse that just, it still holds up as far as styling. I mean, yeah. um, it's it still looks very high end and exotic. And then the thing that I didn't realize until I got into them, um, I'm on my third one now. I bought a high mileage 96 about seven years ago, eight years ago. Sold that, regretted it. Um, got it for nothing. I don't want to tell you how little I paid for that one, but it wasn't, it was 96,000 mile clean title. And then a couple years ago, or about four years ago, I bought a 97 with 14,000 miles clean title. Had to buy my current house. So I sold that before COVID. And I don't want to tell you what I sold it for because it was so little. <laughs> But let's just say after COVID, like 20 months later, after I sold it, the car was worth two and a half times what I sold it for, which was a real shot in the gut. So I told myself, if I ever see a clean title one that falls into my uh, reach ever again that I can pull off, I'm going to buy it. So I just bought another one last year, uh, 97 with 80,000 miles, but clean title. And it's set up real nice. And, uh, I, my plan is to hold that because I really think that those cars, once the 90s kids have money, 
I think those cars are going to be the one that that's, they're going to have that nostalgia for. Just like you know, I talked to my dad because he had a uh, he had a '69 Dodge Daytona in the mid '90s, and I think they bought it for twenty, restored it, painted it, and sold it for thirty-seven grand in like '95. And then they watched that car sell at Meekum in in our town of Belvedere, Illinois, in 06 for like 280 grand with their paint <laughs> on it still. <laughs> so we were kind of comparing stories. It's like, I think, now Grant, there's a lot more competition. Like, I mean, as far as like the muscle car pool of the 60s and 70s, now you got crazy fast Mustangs, Camaros. I mean, there's so many different options and it's going to be a pretty competitive market for people to buy nostalgia back. But there's something about that car. And the crazy part about it is they only made just over 2000 of the blue and whites um it really, really? only made like over, only 2000 vipers a year there's not that many gen 2 vipers period um but the blue and whites they made a thousand or 1175 or so in 96 and mine my 97 is one of 975 so it's like 2200 mm-hmm. and then go try to find a clean title they are so many salvage titles on those cars because that front hood was $20,000 from Dodge if you got into a fender bender. So anytime a doctor or a lawyer bought one of these things new and they, no ABS, no trash control, it's a full-on race car, and it got squirrely and you just went into a ditch and crunched your front end a little bit, 20 grand for the hood, your wheels, your, all that stuff, the paint, and the car was only like, what, 60 grand or so at the time. So real quick, it was, you're up to its total by the time you repair it. So I would guess... 40 to 50 percent have salvage titles so you're talking about just over a thousand cars out there with the blue and white and clean title right now <laughs> that's and so you, when you do the supply and demand of all the 90s kids that i feel like we're not alone <laughs> really yeah. wanted that car someday they're gonna retire or get to a real nice spot in their career and go you know what finally gonna buy that car i always wanted that was on my wall and they're gonna go holy shit there's not a lot of them available <laughs> so <laughs> I'm anticipating I want to be early on that one and hold one. So I've got one in my garage right now and I want to hold that until I'm vindicated. If not, I'll die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's I I hope we keep doing this because I I like thinking about that kind of stuff, right? Like what, Uh what's the next, you know, who are the people who are getting into like the peak of their career and then like, what would they have wanted? Right. Uh, I think there's a lot of ways to think about this too. Like the FJ is obviously just like, it's never going to do anything like the Viper by any means, but like, I think there's cars out there that just like will never lose money, right? You could just pick up. Right. And I mean, returns, returns. So if the car is worth, you know, 150% more than you paid and you just, it doesn't eat when it's sitting in your garage. So as long as you can afford to pay the antique insurance on something, which is like next to nothing, if you have a clean record, it's, I mean, I think even my, my Viper is like 30 bucks a month because I hardly drive it. So that's the real only expense to it. Um, As high as the miles are, we still take it on date nights and whatnot, but you know, it'll, I don't want to have it a hundred thousand miles when I go to sell it, but 80 to 90 is probably going to change the price very much. Right. So I'm going to probably put 10,000 miles on it while I own it. But um, yeah, this will be a fun segment because I have a lot more cars that mm-hmm. are a lot more affordable and <laughs> attainable. Yeah. I mean, I have a certain generation in mind that I, I've been playing with recently that I think is as cheap as they're ever going to be. I mean, I wish I could just keep them all, but I mm-hmm. don't have the time, money or space to make that real. But if I was, place in my chips right now there's a lot of cars i think are stupid cheap right now i remember i remember fox bodies like when i was getting out of high school those are about you know I, I graduated in 2003 right so a little over 20 years old you could pick one of those up three four grand clean like real clean good cars um i should have just bought a storage 
like a shop and just filled it with fox bodies, right? Like you can't find those at all anymore for less than twenty. Um, yeah, you buy a four cylinder one for twenty. Somebody's gonna put a coyote <laughs> in it, right? Like yeah, or or one that's just been you know beaten down and hot rotted and right, you know rusty. Those are the only ones that are like you know under ten grand I've been seeing. But yeah, they're for a clean one. Um, I mean, I saw. This was once again, I keep citing the COVID era, but that's where all the car prices were going nuts. I bring a trailer. There was a uh, Saline Fox body convertible, 240 grand. Oh my God. I know. I was like, for a Fox, I, I don't care what it is. Like, I don't care yeah. if it's no, by uh, Elvis. Exactly. But it was interesting to see, like, okay, maybe that's, but that kind of vindicates the point of nostalgia. The people right. at that age that remember the 80s when those things were coming on, when Mustangs finally got somewhat fast again. Um, right. The was... vanilla ice videos, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I got I got a coworker who's in his 50s, and he bought a uh, he bought a uh, Calypso Coral uh, notchback Fox body when he's fresh out of the Gulf War. He came home with his GI Bill and bought one and sold it, and he's. Then ask me to keep an eye out, find anything that's Clipsal Green or yeah, Clipsal Green, it's called. So, anyone out there has a clean Clipsal Green Fox body, preferably notchback. Is it like a lighter green that they had, or I can't remember what? Yeah, that. it's like a it's like a turquoise green. Yeah, you know, it's a real pretty color. Man, I yeah, should have like said that. something to me a while ago because there was a guy that I know in, in town here that had one. Oh, notchback. no, he won it in a oh. raffle and then he really? sold it not long after for like not much. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah. I probably didn't know he was in the market at the time, but yeah. what are you going to do? There's no one out there. Yep. So, well, anything else you want to close on, Steve? No, no, it was good. Um, no, I think I'm, I'm going to think about more ideas for cars that I, not, I'm not going to lose to you this time. I think that Viper one really blew me out of the water, but I'll think of something. Better. Well, obviously <laughs> I put a lot, I put a lot of thought into that one. The fact that I've yeah. dabbled on three now. But I still haven't been vindicated because I, I always sell at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> That's half the battle. Uh, yeah, I know. I was just, uh, you got to make decisions when you have little kids. But this yeah. one, maybe I hold on to. But yeah, there's there's plenty more, though. I mean, there's, like I said, there's a lot of cars that are in that five to eight grand range right now that I think are poised to go north of 20 in the next decade. For sure. Um, so yeah, we'll make this regular segment to close the show out. That's pretty fun. And I think there's kind of endless predictions on that so and sure. we can always look back and be like hey let's go back remember, play a clip from episode one back in 2023 <laughs> when i said this i was right <laughs> so yeah. awesome steve well thanks for your time yep i ran all right see you.